Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your host, Bela Sebraff on The Definitive Rap. Hello, I'm Bela Seabrow, and welcome to The Definitive Wrap. We thank Venus for hosting our show and being their official video podcast. When there is injustice, there are people who say nothing. There are also people who express what's wrong by just complaining about it. And then there are the ones who are not afraid to expose what's wrong, but who fearlessly and actively do something to make changes. Our honored guest today is the one courageous woman who will step into the ring and fight while others are afraid to enter that ring. What is she fighting for? She's fighting for the rights of the American people and has been fighting for years instead of standing on the sidelines with those who have unconstitutional agendas. I am talking about Jan Morgan. Jan is an Associated Press Award-winning veteran television investigative journalist turned citizen conservative activist and two-way advocate. She has appeared as a regular guest on Fox Business Network on Second Amendment issues and as a spokeswoman for Citizens for Trump in support of Donald Trump's America First agenda. Jan is NRA, USCCA, and Arkansas State Police certified in firearms range safety and teaches armed and female classes across the country a hand-to-hand combat and firearms for self-defense class specifically geared toward women. Jan is also a candidate for Arkansas U.S. Senate. Jan, welcome to the Definitive Wrap. Thanks for having me and looking forward to visiting with you. My brief introduction about you does not do justice for all that you are and for all that you stand and are fighting for. You are fighting for us, the American people, You are the voice of reason and speak out for those who are silent, who dare not say what needs to be said. You do it with finesse, beauty, charm, and elegance like no one else can. During your 25 years as a news anchor and reporter, you won AP awards and most recently for an investigative piece called Rampant Injustice, where you expose the trampling of the constitutional rights of Americans during white-collar crime investigations. Please tell us about that. Okay. Well, the Associated Press Awards are one I won before I got out of television news. The documentary I did, Rampant Justice, it didn't enter, it didn't win an award because I didn't enter it uh, to be uh, in the contest. But what it did was uh, bring a halt to a grave injustice that was happening across this country. And it, I took on uh, I took on some very powerful people in government that nobody else would take on. And so rapid injustice, I was approached by some business people who had been attacked by our United States Justice Department and the Criminal Investigation Division of the Internal Revenue Service. They were you, you may remember the uh, the uh, Gibson guitar raid that made national news. OK, so that was one business. But what the national news didn't tell you is that in addition to Gibson guitar, there were 
hundreds, maybe even thousands of small businesses, conservative owned businesses across this country that were also being exposed to paramilitary Gestapo style raids by the Justice Department and the Criminal Investigation Division of the IRS without just cause. Uh, they were, there were 40, 60 agents, you know, come barreling in, shut down your place, confiscate your computers, confiscate all of your files so that you can't do your job so that you can't run your business. Uh, they interrogate you and your people, and then they leave with all of your stuff. Uh, and then weeks or months later, you get a call saying, you know, you can have your stuff back and we aren't through with everything yet, but if you want to pay this fine, uh, we'll, we'll just uh, call it even and let you go this time. Uh, basically what it was, was extortion. And uh, most small businesses that were raided, they just either went out of business or they tried to, they paid the fee. I talked to some businesses that actually paid the fine, even though they didn't admit to doing anything wrong, paid the fine and then reopened and tried to, to move on. But uh, but one, one gentleman decided to take on the government. He's, he's bold. He's a fighter. He said, I didn't do anything wrong. And they came in here and destroyed my, my business. And so he took them on, challenged them. Uh, and he's the one that contacted me and said, would you do this story? Most media outlets wouldn't touch it. And it was very difficult for me to find a production company that would shoot it because once he told them, you know, okay, that we're going to be going after the United States Justice Department and the Criminal Investigation Division of the Internal Revenue Service, most people in their right minds said, no, I don't, I don't think I'll do that one. Uh, but but I finally found a production company in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, that said, yeah, let's do this. We got to do this. And, you know, when you go after big bad boys in government, you have to cross your T's and dot your I's in your own personal mm -hmm. life. You know, they're going to come after you. And we knew that. And uh, but yeah, here I still stand because I do cross my T's and dot my I's. And uh, so we exposed it. And that that documentary, it did go viral. It's you can see it. If you go to YouTube, just type in rampant injustice. Several different YouTubers have copied it and, and tried to make money off it. We never monetized it. Um, so the, it's the one with the largest number of views. But take a look at it. It will shock you to know that that was happening in this country. But the cool thing is, is once we exposed it, uh, it, it stopped, which was the goal. But also I wanted people to see what was happening. You know, we have a constitution and bill of rights and what the way business owners were being treated across this country is you're guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. Well, that's not how we have due process in this country. Our judicial system, you are supposed to have due process. And uh, that was not happening. There were just a number of violations. And we talk about those and expose those. Uh, we talked to a constitutional lawyer. We talked to the business owners. We showed what the raids looked like, what they sounded like, how they devastated people and businesses who were never proven to have done anything wrong. It's like Gibson Guitar. They said we he said it cost us five million dollars to fight the federal government. And they never proved that we did anything wrong. But, uh, you know, think about being a small business owner who doesn't have five million dollars to fight your own government. Uh, so that's why we had to do it. We did it. And um, and so I I look at that situation. And when I when I'm on the campaign trail right now and people say and I'm in the deep south where there are a lot of men who say, you know, women don't really have any business in powerful positions in government. And, uh, women should be staying at home and women should just do, you know, what. When I see those guys and they say that to me, they, and they say, well, you'll never be strong enough to face up big, bad boys in government. I say, excuse me, hold my beer. <laughs> Let me, you need to watch this, this documentary. I mean, I took on the bad boys that nobody else would touch. So, uh, you know, nobody can say that, that I, that I cower down from powerful people. I don't, I won't. And right now we're in the climate in our country and especially in DC where, 
laws are being made and these battles are being fought. We need strong, aggressive fighters. We need people who are bold, who will say what they mean, mean what they say, and can't be bought. I cannot be bought. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of people we need in D.C. And that's why I'm in this United States Senate race. I, I need to go. I'm replacing a rhino, a guy that's a, he, he's, he's bought and paid for. He's been there 21 years. He's gotten too comfortable with the Democrats across the aisle. His voting his voting record is a reflection of that. So, uh, you know, we've got a long road ahead, but 98 days, we'll know one way or another. This election is over in 98 days. During your investigation or shortly thereafter, did you experience any sort of retaliation? Which investigation? The, the rampant injustice? Rampant, yes. No, no, so far not. Uh, I, the only time I've had retaliation or felt like there was retaliation uh, mm-hmm. from the feds is when I, well, this was state government. When I challenged our governor in this state, uh, suddenly within a couple of weeks, I was the subject of a sales tax audit by the Department of Finance. And that was fine. You know, whatever, come bring it, bring your, bring all your people, go through my records. Right. Uh, done, I haven't done anything wrong here. Right. So uh, we got through that. But then uh, I've had, I've had my, my life threatened on a regular basis. You know, I've, we've been shot at our home. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, <laughs> they never have made an arrest in that case. The, the law enforcement agency that investigated it, it would happen around midnight. And it was after I had fought a particularly brutal battle at the state capitol on uh, election, not election integrity. It was on illegal immigration. We got a bill passed that prohibited sanctuary cities in our state. And uh, the governor didn't want that. But anyway, Within 24 hours of me winning that battle at our state capitol, we were in bed at night and all of a sudden bullets started ringing through our, our place and five rounds hit the walls of our bedroom. One round lodged in the headboard five inches from my head uh, and the investigating officers that came to the scene and they, 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 they whoever did it, they drove by the place and they stopped long enough and they pointed upstairs to where the bedroom was. They, they knew where the bedroom was was which was interesting and shot uh, in that area but the rounds the casings that the police found said they belonged to a it was a law enforcement round which yeah. was interesting jan yeah. the way it is hit list you know about that too so yeah. thank god you're okay and we need you we need you jan the way it is the fact is um that there are politicians that have let us down and you are fighting for the cause to term limit congress it turns out that this is that what most vi- uh, most v- voters approve of. They they approve of a consti- of a constitutional amendment that will place term limits on Congress. My question sure. is, why has this not happened in earlier years? Because the fox is guarding the hen house. I mean, you know, for for you're asking guys in D.C. to vote themselves a, a limited time that they can dig in into the swamp. Uh, many of them use their political positions to get rich. They're bought and paid for, and they don't want to leave that. It's a, it's a cushy life, and and uh, they're owned. I mean, Big Pharma, all these different agencies, like the guy I'm running against, uh, he he has taken millions of dollars uh, from from uh, corporations over the years in in the form of donations, campaign donations, uh, and they're listed. I'm not saying I'm not just making that up. I didn't have to investigate it. That's mm-hmm. public record. You look at, at where the money comes from, uh, the people that support him. In fact, he took a nice big donation from Big Pharma on March 18th. And within a couple of weeks, he was traveling around this state pushing. He was he was pushing people in our state to get the vaccine. 
Now, I'm not pro-vax or against vax. I'm pro-liberty to cheers. And I was, while he was going around this state, the incumbent, I call him snooze booze because he's, nobody really ever has heard of him. Uh, But he was pushing, while he was running around the state, pushing people to get the vaccine, I was at our state capitol fighting for people to have the liberty to choose whether or not they wanted this injection in their bodies instead of it being a forced mandate as a condition of employment. Uh, So, you know, there's a very clear line of distinction between the two of us, but um, yeah, the, the term limits issue, the, here, here's, here's why I support term limits. I don't think our founding fathers ever in their wildest dreams envisioned that people would be elected to office and go to Washington, D.C. and then never leave, that it would become a lifetime career. I don't think they intended it to be a career. It is a public servant position that should be very short term. You go, you serve, and then you get back to your life. You should have to have a full-time job. You should have to have a way to to support yourself outside of that job in D.C. I would love it. I would love it if uh, our U.S. senators and congressmen weren't paid. It's an honor to serve. It's an honor to serve. You go and you go there because you're not paid and you have to have a job and you have to have a life outside of that. You go during a brief period of time and you serve and you vote and you do what you need to do. And then you get out of there. You don't move in there. You don't live there. And you certainly don't retire there. My opponent has viewed, apparently views uh, Washington, D.C. and the United States Capitol as a retirement home as so many others. So we've got we got guys and, and women up there in their 80s. It's just mm-hmm. it's absurd. And and uh, the, the, the truth is. I also don't think our founding fathers meant for people to go up there and stay there uh, who are independently wealthy, that those are the only kinds of people that can get those positions and stay there. We need a very diverse group of people coming to D.C. from all walks of life. We need doctors. We need school teachers. We need homemakers. We need uh, uh, blue collar workers, white collar workers. We need people from all walks of life who can bring that very diverse background of knowledge together to make decisions that are in the best interest of the people that serve the people best, not some economic elites. Violet, for for much of this country's existence, 10% of the economic elites have established public policy. Our public policy in this country is controlled by by economic elites. And our our founding fathers never intended it to be that way. Uh, We are a constitutional republic. We are a representative form of government. And that's the way it should be. We should be representing the voice of the people. And the 10% of the economic elites, that's not a representative voice of the people at large. I've always joked and said, you know, if if U.S. congressmen had to wear a jacket like race car drivers do with their sponsors on their sleeves, uh, which I think, you know, they should do that. Mine, you wouldn't be able to see my jacket from all the names because it's I don't have the big corporate sponsors. My my supporters are mom and pop people. They're regular citizens like me. They're not independently wealthy. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them instead of just a few big corporate sponsors. Let's talk about Dr. Anthony Fauci because you are so outspoken about his practice. Uh, it's interesting that there are Americans that did not know much about him until COVID hit the globe. That it, it, it was, it was a, He was an unknown name for some people. But he has been criticized for his funding with Americans' tax dollars for experiments involving canine testing, specifically immobilizing beagles whose heads are placed in boxes while starving fleas eat them alive. Jan, what is this all about? Yeah, I, I saw that same story that you did about the, the testing and Fauci's involvement with that. And as, as disgusting and as vile as that was. I I submit to you that before all of this is over and we find out the truth about COVID and about Fauci's involvement, how much they knew, how much 
much they didn't know about the vaccine. I think that uh, what we saw with the Beagles that made everybody sick, it's going to pale in comparison. I think I think what we're going to see is criminal. And uh, I, I believe it's going to be the worst thing that has ever, ever been perpetuated upon the human race since its existence. But why? Why? Well, I have my I have my suspicions. I, I you know, I'm not going to sit out there and, and say exactly what I think it is. I just I'm just not buying it. Uh, not saying I don't buy COVID. I, I really do believe people got sick. I really do believe people have died. I know people who have died. Uh, what I don't believe is that it was all an accident. I, I don't believe that at all. And um, I think that they know a lot more than they're saying. And I think that they have withheld it from the people. I think that the big pharmaceutical companies know more than they're saying about what's in that vaccine. I know people, I know people who have died who took the vaccine, died. I know people, I just thought, before I was on your show today, I was talking to a good friend of mine, a dentist, who within 48 hours of getting the vaccine, he couldn't walk. He said it, he said it was like he had polio, like he had polio. He said, Jan, I could, he said, it's been a year and I'm just now starting to get to, to get back to, to the person I was before I took that. There is a guy that serves on my campaign team who almost died. He's a 32-year-old guy. He's in that age range where uh, we've seen a lot of cases uh, of, of young men get uh, myocarditis and have other complications related to the vaccine. Yeah. He almost died. He got the vaccine because he had he was going to donate to a, a bone marrow. He was donating bone marrow to a cancer patient. Otherwise, he would never have gotten the vaccine. But in order to donate his bone marrow, he had to be vaccinated. So he took it. And then, you know, he ends up in the hospital uh, with his heart you know, swollen up. It was it was awful. And uh, so I, you know, I just think that the right thing to have done. And I understand people were terrified and wanted a vaccine and it should have been made available to people that wanted to take it. I'm not saying that people shouldn't take it. I'm not saying they shouldn't have come up with one. What I'm saying is, is there was a lot of censorship. And there's there's a lot of information withheld from the people. There's a lot of, of censorship regarding information that people weren't allowed to put out who were trying to tell the truth. Um, and that's not the America I know. You know, we're supposed to be a country of free speech and let the people decide whether or not they want to believe information. But when you censor information the way it's been censored in a large degree in the way I mean, the president of the United States is not even even on social media practically anymore. You know, his accounts got taken down. I, frankly, I'm surprised my page is still up. I, I can't believe it. Uh, but um, it's it's been a very it's been a very uh, difficult time in our country. Yeah. And uh, I I tell you what, I, it's going to be a brutal fight out. We we didn't get here overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight. And I don't want people to think that just electing one person, like electing Trump, is going to solve everything, or electing me is going to solve everything. It's going to take the people stepping up and engaging with their government all the way down to the city levels. We all saw across America how even even our school board elections suddenly became so important to people when their children were being forced to wear masks all day at school. You know, who would have ever thought the school? But then finally, people started engaging with their school board. I knew all along the school board has a big role to play because I've been looking at the curriculum that our, our kids have been taught over the decades. And I can tell you that the far left has been infiltrating our form of government for years and our system. They've, they've infiltrated every facet of our society. They've gone into our schools and in our curriculum, our, ch our children have been brainwashed for decades. That's that's why we have seen. That's why we have Antifa. 
that's why we have uh, so many, uh, an entire generation of people that have this entitlement mentality, people that were not taught the Constitution, they weren't taught the Bill of Rights, they weren't taught the, the foundation of this country. Instead, they were taught, they were taught division as in critical race theory, they were taught racism, they were taught that America was terrible, that we were a bad country, that we were vile. And so there, therefore you have people like Colin Kaepernick who refused to, to stand for the national anthem. That generation, that kind of disrespect for the foundation of this country, for the, the, the flag, that lack of pride is, is why we're where we are. And it's happened on my watch. It's happened on our watch. And we are responsible for that because we were going to work every day, doing our jobs, raising our families, you know, living the American dream. While behind the scenes, these people were destroying our country from within, right under our noses. And uh, so we've got to step up and and rise up and engage. And it's going to take people engaging at every single level. Just electing some people to go to D.C. is not going to be enough. We need people running for school board. We need good people running for city council, mayor. We need people running for a state representative, for a uh, uh, state senator. And, of course, we need people in U.S. Congress. And we need people running for those judicial positions. We, uh, It's going to take time. and But it's going to, we're going to have to get serious. Sitting back and complaining about it on TV, uh, it's not going to cut. It's not going to you not just want to sit and uh, complain. You're you're a doer. No, no, I'm a, I'm a doer. And that's why, you know, I'm in this race because I've got I'm running against an incumbent who's been there 21 years. He's a dinosaur. He's gotten too comfortable with the Democrats. He does nothing. Nobody even when they ran polls in the state, you know, a lot of people are like, who is I don't even know who, who he is. And then the other guy they threw in the race, they threw him in the race because it, because the incumbent was polling badly and I was doing really well. So they threw this this other guy in the race who was a Super Bowl you know, he played in the Super Bowl and he served in the military, but uh, he never played a single down in the Super Bowl, even though he calls himself a Super Bowl champ. He never played a single down. Uh, and he, he did serve a brief time in the military, long enough to say he served for like a couple of years. But, you know, here, here's the problem uh, with him. He's 32. He's, he's, he needs to get his feet wet. Some of the most brutal fights we have had for liberty for our Kansans have occurred right here in Little Rock at our state capitol over the past two years. And that guy, I call him fake Jake, he goes on TV all the time. And he talks a good game. He says all the right things because somebody else writes it for him and he reads his cue cards and his teleprompter. But the fact is, you know, saying that he's a bold, aggressive fighter and he wants to go to D.C. and fight for us. I'm like, OK, where have you been, Jake? Uh, the fights have been right here at the state capitol in the areas of, of illegal immigration, election integrity, gun rights and medical freedom. You were right there in Little Rock. You live there. Why weren't you at the state capitol fighting? I was there. I was in the middle of all those fights. Uh, he has zero experience. He's never in state capitol. So my question to him is, why are you in this race? This is not a football field, and this is not a military battleground. This is a war against political thugs and suits. And anybody who knows anything about war is the first thing you have to do is know you have to know your enemy and name your enemy. Political thugs and suits. And on that front, Jake has zero experience. He's not ready for the big leagues. He needs to go to the state capitol. He needs to run for state office, get his feet wet and show us what he can do. I, on the other hand, have a proven record. And I'm, if, if you don't hear anything else I hear today, I want people to get this. I am the only candidate in this race, incumbent included, with a proven record of successfully outmaneuvering the Biden administration to help get laws passed in Arkansas to protect Arkansans from federal unconstitutional overreach. And I have done that successfully in the areas of illegal immigration, election integrity, gun rights, and medical freedom. And I'm just getting started. Good. One last question. We're running out of time. Yes. Uh, you have trained over 40,000 men, women, and children in personal self-defense. 
You are a gun rights activist. You gained national attention after banning Muslims from the gun cave indoor shooting range that you own. Can you tell us about that? You know, some of that was blown out of proportion, all right? Uh, what I did, when, when you get a call from the FBI, counterterrorism supervisor, and they want to meet with you and your husband at the local police department, we go down there to meet with them. And they're telling us that ISIS is in our state, that ISIS was targeting one of our soldiers had just dropped, had just taken out an ISIS target in Syria. And he tweeted back to his wife. Uh, ISIS intercepted the tweet. This is according to the FBI. Uh, ISIS intercepted the tweet. They came to Arkansas. They were after that soldier's wife and his son. And they were I was also on their hit list. That's why they met with me to say that, that just so you know. Uh, you're on their hit list. There are pictures of you and with your your AR-15 all over the Muslim Brotherhood websites in Cairo, Egypt and everywhere else. You're a target. Now, the reason I was a target is because I had been for over a year. I had been co-hosting a, a uh, show a, a product like similar to this program with uh, Gadi Edelman, who is a counter Israeli counterterrorism expert. And we had done a lot to educate people about Islamic terrorism. So, I, you know, I don't know why they'd be mad at me about that, because I'm simply quoting verses from their own Quran. You know, there are 109 verses that dictate hate, murder, and terror against all human beings who refuse to submit or convert to Islam. So what I did at my range after the FBI met with me and said, you know, you uh, you should go underground. You need to take down your website, take down your Facebook page. You need to, you know, you need to basically go into hiding uh, and we'll let you know when it's safe to come out. Well, I didn't do that. I continued to operate my range. But I went back and I wrote another article and I said, so I understand I'm on the ISIS hit list. Bring it. And in the article, I also said, I don't, why I want my range to be a Muslim-free zone. And here's what I here's what I said about that. And, but if you if you look, nobody ever challenged me on that. Not a single person came in the door and said, I'm a Muslim. Are you going to let me shoot here? All right. So anything other than that was blown out of proportion. But what I did say is this: Look, I I'm, this is not a coffee donut shop. People in this facility are handling lethal weapons. I know what the Quran says. I read it. I know about those 109 verses. The people who are committing those acts of terror are not extremists. They are devout. They're following the dictates of their book. And since I don't know which ones are going to follow those dictates and which ones are not, I'm just going to say, if you align yourself with that ideology, I can allow you to come in here and handle lethal weapons next to people that your Quran commands you to kill. So uh, that that's what that was all about. But um, I mean, I, I didn't say... All Muslims, no, no Muslim can come here. In fact, I, I extended a national invitation to Dr. Zudi Jasser. I don't know if you know Dr. Jasser, but he and I debated on Fox about this very issue. He said, you know, he agreed with me that there are parts of Islam that the Quran has some, you know, that they need to get away from that, that they've got to do something about that. And in fact, you know, when Dr. Jasser stood up nationally after 9-11 and said, we need to, we need to, to not condone these acts of terror, we need to eliminate this part of Islam, uh, not only not only could he not get a single imam around the country to stand with him, but that he was also excommunicated. So, uh, you know, therein lies the problem. But I just I did. We did a lot of education. And I guess I guess the ISIS didn't like me educating people about what their own book says. But that's what I did. Right. Right. We're but I didn't shut down. <laughs> Stay right here. And here I am. That was 2015. And I still stand here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for setting the record straight. Thank you for being who you are. And thank you for agreeing to join us today on the Definitive Wrap and sharing your greatness with us. We need thank support. We need support. Tell your, absolutely. Your, tell your absolutely. Viewers, and how can people get in touch with you? 
How can Jan people get in Senate. touch with you? Janforsenate.com, Janforsenate, F-O-R, Janforsenate.com. And you can donate online or you can go to my Facebook page and find links. But we really, we need the financial support from a lot of different people. If everybody gives a little bit, then we can defeat these guys. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you to our audience for tuning in and to Vin News. Jan, God bless you and your success. And God bless America. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your host, Bela Seabrow. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.